Hello again, and it's episode four of Blue Skies Thinking from Guideline. This time we'll be diving into equity and financial planning. Let's get straight to the action in Money, Money, Money. Zelda and Jacob meet once again in her temporary office at the Dog and Bone pub. Zelda sits staring intently at the screen of a brand new laptop. Morning, Zelda. Thought I'd find you here. You found any premises yet? I've been negotiating with Dad on the vacant industrial unit he has on the Buncombe Industrial Estate. And how's that going? Well, he keeps mentioning money, and I keep reminding him that I'm his only daughter and I've, I've never asked for anything like this. And his response was? He knocked 20% off the rental price. Well, that's not bad. To £5,000 a month. Holy smoke! What size is this place? I think he said 12,500 square feet. (coughs) (coughs) Oh, ah, so you haven't uh, been to see it yet? Look, let me have a chat to him about it. I am a bit concerned that you're um, aiming too big as a start-up. Why would you need all that space? Well, the product needs a lot of people in manufacturing. Automating it with machinery will reduce the space needed, but adds more expense. Look, I've been working out the options. You have been busy. Uh, yeah, I think I need to introduce to you one of my team, Catherine. She's my money whiz and can help you put a realistic finance plan together. That would be great. That would be a weight off my mind. Catherine will help you put it together, not do it for you. Oh. Oh, okay. I've got other things to do, but I guess that, that that's fine. That brings me on to another matter. I'm ready to register sideline with Company's House, and we need to decide on the shares. Well, one share for me. That's it, isn't it? Uh, okay, right. Uh, so what about me? You're my angel. Yes, 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 I am. <clears throat> okay, um, let's put it another way. What are you putting into this business? 110%? <laughs> Money wise. Oh, well, I could put my savings in. That's about 18,000. Right. Uh, what about your apartment? Dad bought that for me. I know, but you're lucky not to have a mortgage on it then, aren't you? So you could put that on the table too. You are serious about this business, aren't you? Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Oh, heck. I thought you and Dad would help to get me going. Well, your dad hasn't handed the key of that industrial unit over for nothing, so I would suspend that idea for a while. And... As you said, I'm an angel investor. I am looking for a return on my time and money. But you're stinking rich. True, but you don't get rich giving it away. Although everyone thinks you should once you've got it. So you want, what, 10% of the business? Uh, Let's um, do the maths for a second. Right, you've got 18k and uh, 
Let's say we can raise 180k with a mortgage on the apartment. My rough estimates are that to fit out that, or a smaller unit, and hire people, and buy stock and other costs, Catherine can help with all of this, um, it's going to be uh, one to two million, so I should have the 90%. Uh, what are you thinking? Done. I'll start the company with 200,000 shares and we can have 100,000 each and that will give us flexibility in the future. 100,000 shares? Sure. Great. Thanks. I'll drop you my standard investors agreement over by email. Uh, Have you got your sideline domain done yet? Oh, and I'll go and pin your dad down on that industrial unit. It's lovely to see you, Zelda. Yeah, goodbye, Jay. Agreement? Good. Yeah, super. Domain? Hold on! What's the domain thing again? Somewhat irritated, Jacob bursts into Nero's office, fresh from meeting Zelda. You are a bit of a git zero. Who? Me? What have I done to offend you so, Jake? Ah, Jacob! And 60 grand a year for a crappy industrial unit on Buncombe? Blimey, you are taking it seriously. Okay, okay, I just wanted to see if she would research what a unit should go for on Buncombe. I started high and ended high. (laughs) She's your daughter. And the subject of a significant bet for over half my company. You think I should help help you win? Yes. Well, no, of course not. So, Mr Jacob Oakstock, are you here to negotiate for one of my properties on Buncombe Industrial Estate? Yes. Wait, one of my properties? How many have you got? Eight. Uh, Three of which are vacant. And the one you offer to Zelda? Is the biggest and most dilapidated. I repeat my greeting with a modification. You are a gigantic git, Zero. Let's do a real deal then. I may even be nice. Back to the dog and bone where Zelda is approached by a professional looking woman. Zelda Zero? Yes. Yes, I am. And you are? I thought so. I recognised you from all your Facebook pictures. I'm Catherine Cash. Jacob said you were camping out here whilst you get premises sorted. Oh, yes, Cat. Lovely to meet you. Really good of you to pop in and see me. No problem. By the way, I don't really like being called Cat. Oh, Kitty? Kitty Cash, that sounds like... It's Catherine. Just Catherine. Catherine? Catherine. Okay. Glad we got that sorted. Jacob suggested you need some support in sorting your financial plan. Oh, yes, please. Here are my notes so far. Wow, that's a lot of paper. Have you got any forecasts of your revenue? Forecasts? 
Okay, maybe too early. What are your projected setup costs? Oh, I, I've had a few ideas on my options. Oh, okay. Right, yes. Uh-huh. So, which of these is the most beneficial option? I don't know. That's what Jacob thought you could help with. Oh, that was nice of him. Have you got any of this on spreadsheet instead of paper? Ah, oh, well, you see, I only got this laptop the other day and I've only got emails and the internet, I think. So no balance sheet, income statement or cash flow estimates? Oh, uh, no. Can I take these and review them? Sure. Don't lose them, though. I don't have any copies. Sure thing. I'll get them back to you as soon as I've spoken to Jacob. Great. Nice to meet you. At last, we seem to have someone on the scene who knows what they are doing. Now, you may think I'm talking about Cat, sorry, Catherine Cash, but I am today sitting in the offices of Lang Bennett's in Truro with Dan Arasniak. Hi, Dan. Hi, nice to be here. Thank you very much, and thanks for joining us. So, before we dive into our discussion on money, 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 perhaps you could tell us a bit about Lang Bennett's. Yes, Lang Bennett's are an independent chartered accountancy practice mm -hmm. based in Truro also with an office in Falmouth. We have grown rapidly over the last three years. We've gone from 30 staff three years ago to 60 staff today. So Great. there has been rapid organic growth over the last three years. We offer a full range of accountancy services from payroll, bookkeeping, accounts preparation, tax compliance, and tax advisory to a variety of clients, be it small startups all the way through to establish large household names. Oh, brilliant. So, uh, and how about yourself? What are your credentials? I am a chartered accountant and a chartered tax advisor with over 10 years practice experience, dealing with a range of clients from startup and very small all the way through to large established household names. Oh, brilliant. Okay. So, we can trust you to give some good advice then. I hope so. <laughs> so perhaps then we could just go back to uh, the first discussion or the first part we heard about Jacob and Zelda's respective shares in the business because I think that's an area that can cause a lot of confusion. Um, uh, it certainly did to us in the very <laughs> early days and we thought we did well with, with a 1,000 shares. They've clearly chosen to go down a, a limited company route why would that be a reasonable decision, do you think? Limited company route can work for a couple of reasons. The first is limited liability. The company has liability for debts, etc. Mm -hmm. Whereas if it was formed personally as a sole trade or partnership, there'd be unlimited liability on the individuals involved. So that's one reason we see limited companies used. The other is it's 
a tad more straightforward to exchange shares to change ownership between the individuals Mm -hmm. or introduce new owners if you need to down the line. There are also reliefs for investors such as Enterprise Investment Scheme, Seed Enterprise Investment Scheme, which are corporate reliefs for companies and are only available for limited company structure. So it does facilitate itself to involve new investors down the line and there are tax breaks for this which the new investors find quite appealing so the 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 two together can can aid raising capital okay that said it it, it's not right for everyone um but limited company can be a good option in some circumstances okay so you you say that you've mentioned or alluded to a couple other routes um what other options could they considered or could they have considered? They could have considered being a partnership. Now, th- there are two routes here. There's a, a normal partnership or a limited liability partnership. They're both very similar. As the latter suggests, there's limited liability. So mm. it's, it's slightly more akin to a company in terms of liability, as we discussed earlier. That's actually not a bad decision when you are a young business and you're not possibly quite sure where things are going to go in the immediate future. There's lower administration burden with a partnership, and it's slightly more flexible um, in allocating profit shares informally. There is always the option as well to start life as a partnership and incorporate into a limited company down the line. That's an attractive option that we see for some startup businesses that might not know where they're going to go in the future. They might be a big thing or they yeah. might stay as a small a small trade. And a partnership in those instances isn't a bad idea. Like I say, we can always turn that partnership into a limited company if we start finding that the partnership is very big and for reasons of liability or tax saving, a limited company might then be yeah. more appealing. Okay. So... Going back to the, the limited company, they're, they're obviously seeking to register that company on Companies House, um, and we mentioned that in our, our last uh, podcast, number two. Um, so why would starting with 200,000 shares be a good idea? seems like a ridiculously high number for two people. I would ask the same question. Okay. Um, I, I, I wouldn't initially recommend starting with 200,000 shares. That there is no reason why you can't start the company with one share each or five shares each or you know, ten shares each. And you could still put the same amount of money in. It's yeah. the percentage ownership that is the key issue. And there is no need to put in £200,000 in share capital. It does have an attractive feature of it, what we call strengthen the balance sheet. Um, it's locked in as share capital, so to speak, whereas a loan made to the company would be repayable, possibly on demand, depending on the on the terms of the loan. So it's slightly less strong in that respect if a loan's made. But I would much rather see, um, especially in a startup, more minimal shares, um, might be 100 shares split between them or even 1,000 shares split between them, and the rest contributed as what's called share premium or a loan, I don't see the need for 200,000 shares straight away no, would be fair. my initial assessment here and, and, my, and my advice more than likely, unless there were special circumstances that warranted 200,000 shares. But th- that would be the exception rather than the norm in my experience. 
Yeah, perhaps Jacob's got some other uh, plans in mind. Possibly. Yeah, <laughs> what's going on in his head at the moment? Um, Jacob wrangled a, a 50-50% equity share there. Um, would that be expected by an investor normally, do you think? It would quite often depend on the stage that the business is currently at. In this case, as there is no trading history um, mm. and not much in the way of financial forecasts, etc., I don't think a 50-50 split is unreasonable. If somebody was looking to invest in a more established business that had a history of profits, had a history of cash flow, had a history of dividends, you might see a smaller share given because the business has more of a has more bargaining power so to speak yeah um in this case i think 50 50 probably is fair enough given that jacob is potentially taking quite a large risk here um including the db5 including the db5 it's obviously down to the two entities to negotiate and and the strength of the hand on each side will be dictated by how long the business has been trading for its strength, its history, yeah. and where it's going next. If, the better it can demonstrate where it's going next, the, the more it has a stronger hand and can get more money for a less amount of shares. Yeah, so I mean, Jacob's probably trying to limit his <laughs> his losses. If he if he loses anything, he loses you know, he, apart from the DB five, fifty percent, he should have some access to the the assets of the business. There. Exactly, and with fifty percent, he should have. Um, he should have some good upside if the business ends up doing well. Yeah. So it, it, it's probably warranted in this instance. Okay. Um, I always had this question bubbling in the back of my head about Dragon's Den. You see this thing on TV and, yeah. and it's painted an interesting picture of investors. It's not necessarily one that I've experienced yes. at all. It might be appropriate to ask what an angel investor is at this point because some people might not understand what that is. Yep. And it can vary. Um, an, an angel investor is um, somebody who puts some money into a business and through contacts or experience or a combination of those will try and help the business grow and take it to new, ne- mm. new levels. They have, a, they have a similar interest as the business owner. They own a percentage. They want this business to do as well as possible. And that way, everyone receives a good payoff. Yeah. I think in terms of what an angel investor is, a business should ask questions when an angel investor comes their way or they're seeking an angel investor. And some of these would be such as, what involvement do you perceive yourself taking here? Mm. And what can you add to the business? Do they have an experience in that business area? Do they have contacts in that business area? And if so, how involved are they personally going to be? Are you going to hear from them at all? Mm. daily weekly monthly annually yeah what's their you know what's their anticipated level of involvement what's their expertise um you know look at track record look what they've done before see how they can add value to your business another key question that needs to be asked and every angel investor varies is what's the exit strategy right how long do they see themselves being involved for Yes. And when do they want to receive a payoff? Because no doubt they've invested to make money. And do they see a company sale in two years, right. three years, yes. five years? How do we want to end this? And how are we going to 
determine that both parties are going to receive their cash at the end of it and you know what are our time scales i think they vary but that is the general picture and that are the general questions i would certainly be asking to find out what type of angel investor they are mm. and more about the arrangement okay and so the the investor uh, agreement that jacob alluded to in there is yeah. probably quite a legitimate thing to have it would describe what his role is being what he'd expect out the business maybe that's key um I would certainly, now, now you've touched on that, I would certainly say when you go into business with anyone, mm-hmm. be it partnership, be it limited company, yeah. you need either a partnership agreement or a shareholders agreement. So many times we've seen people go into business, we've suggested one of those documents, if it was a partnership or if it's a limited company accordingly, they've said, we're never going to fall out with this person. We'll always, <laughs> we'll always have a pint together and we'll always arrange. If any situation comes up, there's nothing we can't fix. Yes. Nine months later, there's a situation that's come up that they can't fix. No. It, it, it happens all the time, be it trivial to quite complicated um, and a simple, a, a simple pretext down between them, just agreeing simple things yeah. would, have, would have saved a lot of hassle and fees down the line. So a shareholders agreement or partnership agreement is absolutely key. It cannot be overlooked. Okay, that's good advice. So that kind of brings me to a point that you've probably seen some pretty uh, poor financial planning and decision making in in your career. Yes. Uh, Got any examples you could share with us and and perhaps any lessons that that you've seen people learn learn the hard way? I think a a, a couple come to mind. one very simple problem that I see, um, that I have seen on numerous occasions, is somebody who is a sole trader or a partner in a business yep. is still liable to self-assessment on the business profits. Right. Now, what, what we tend to see happen is a sole trader or partner takes all the business profits as they go. Mm-hmm. They're not taxed at source i.e. they're not subject to PAYE because they have to do self-assessment. They end up doing a tax return in what can be 18 months after the business starts. And they get a huge shock when the tax return covers the profits to date, plus it wants a down payment towards next year's tax to bring you fully up to date. Now, we've quite often seen the business owner having spent all of the business <laughs> proceeds and this what can be quite large tax bill catches them by surprise yeah so anyone who comes in i i tend to sit them down and actually forecast their tax bill given the sort of money they are making i forecast their tax bill that might be due in a year 18 months or even two years time right and then with that they know what they've got to put away into a separate tax account or hold somewhere yes and a, sufficient funds so they can they can they can pay that tax bill we, we've had had to get some clients on a um a payment arrangement with hmrc right. or they've i've had some clients who've actually had to take out a loan to pay the tax <laughs> yeah. so without that it could have been very serious yeah um I mean, that, I, that that does lead to one of the statistics i read a little while ago it's 73 percent of new startups are brought down by hmrc that would not surprise me. Um, and it's something that I really do stress when they start their business. This is one of the key risks. If they don't save for this, yeah. however good their business is, 
they risk going under if they can't pay this liability. Yeah. Um, and simple, it, it's amazing, such simple steps can be put in place to to prevent this so yeah. um it's a shame to see it happen so if people come here for, for a meeting we make sure that this is set out and, and a pathway is is given to them early on so they know their liabilities as they arise okay. i think from a, a that that that's sort of a, a common thing i see in sole trade um partnership arena limited company um and sort of on, on the theme we've got here there is a relief called Enterprise Investment Scheme, which is a very attractive relief for investors. Yes. Very attractive, but also very complicated. Yes. I have seen, um, <laughs> I've, I've seen sadly, um, some companies have a go at this themselves. And you're entitled to it. You, you don't have to engage somebody to, to run you through it. But the rules here are so complicated. Yeah. It's full of traps. And I, I have seen a company raise funds mm-hmm. through some private individuals who thought they were getting a substantial tax relief on yep. giving the money. But sadly, the company broke numerous rules mm. on the EIS relief. And I believe I didn't act for the, um, for the individual investors. But for, in my opinion, the EIS was invalid. Right. So... One lesson there is if you do an EIS scheme, engage a professional, it really is that complicated. The reliefs are fantastic, yes, but it does need to be done right. There's a lot of box ticking to do. There's a lot of things you, you mustn't, uh, there's a lot of rules you mustn't break. And a clear plan needs to be adhered to. And, and I would recommend engaging a professional in that area. Yeah. That's certainly what we did, and we did get advantage of that, and our investor did as well. Yes. So um, that was very successful and, and beneficial to us. Yeah. Um, so finally, in kind of wrapping up all, all the, the advice you've given in there, have you got any top tips? What top tips would you give to people that are thinking of starting up a, a business? I'd say know your market. Mm-hmm. Prepare profit and loss revenue cost forecasts going forwards as far as possible with that make sure you include cash flow because cash flow for a startup is potentially more important than your profit and loss yes. because yeah. of where this cash comes in and goes out quite often it can go out early and come in slow and hence that can be a real hole in the finance plan for your tax and I think see a professional as soon as possible in terms of accountancy professional, legal professional, just to make sure your structure is set up right from day one. Yeah. That's sole trade, partnership, limited company, and know where you want to take it going forward. And then the, with the plan in place, you can achieve whatever you want. Mm. But it's, it's very wise to set out that plan early because if you, if, you, if you make a wrong step early on, unwinding that plan, yeah. be it if you want to come out of a company or you've set up three companies and you want to make one company, down the line it can be hard to unwind these things. So getting it right first is definitely the way to proceed. So thanks for that, Dan. We remain delighted to have you and, and Lang Bennett as our accountants and I'm sure we'll be back to talk on another finance subject in the near future. Any which jump to mind that we should cover? I think research and development tax credits 
are oh, yes. a big area that should certainly be looked at and covered in more detail. We've found, well, we've actually picked up a few clients lately where we've we've seen that they had an eligible research and development tax credit claim, yep. and this has been missed by other accountants, and we've amended previous tax re- tax returns yep. and done current tax returns with a valid research and development tax credit claim in them. So very valuable relief and something we see missed quite a lot and an awareness of this for businesses out there would, would certainly be a good idea. Yeah, I mean, it's something we took advantage of um, uh, and, we'll, and we'll do so again um, if it's still around. Yeah. Hopefully it's taking Oh, yeah. So that leaves me to thank you all for listening to Blue Sky's Thinking from Guideline. As ever, please like and comment and share and even volunteer as a future guest. It wasn't that bad, was it, Dan? No, no. Thoroughly enjoyed it. (laughs) Excellent. So next time, Sideline suffers a breach in confidentiality in knowing me, knowing you.